Welcome to the Mariners cast from Sports Ethos, your place for worldwide sports coverage. I'm your host, Tino Ganasius. You can find me on Twitter at TinoJr20 and the podcast at Ethos Mariners. We are super privileged to have Ty Dane Gonzalez on the Mariners cast today. Uh, Ty Dane is one of the hosts of Locked On Mariners. Um, super fun. Again, super privileged to have you on the pod. What's going on, Ty Dane? Yeah, appreciate you having me on, man. Um, always love talking ball. Uh, love what's going on with this team, even though the last you know few days haven't been a lot of fun to watch. Um, <laughs> but you know, it's uh, it's just the grind, man. Right? We're we're in September now. It's just. I think we're a little more used to it after last year. You know, last year was kind of entering uncharted waters for a lot of people, for a lot of Mariners fans. But I think now we kind of have a general idea of what to expect and uh, have a better ability to, uh, you know, pace ourselves, I guess. And, you know, just kind of go through the ebbs and flows a little bit better of the season. It's a great way to put it. I think it's uh, we've taken those body blows towards the end of the season last year and we know what to expect. But, yeah, to me – first glance super exhausted team super super exhausted team yeah yeah uh i'd love to hear your mariners fan story kind of how you became a mariners fan and then a little bit about your experience in the podcast world and with uh yeah so i was born and raised in washington uh lived there until i was 12 years old kind of bounced around afterwards i'm now in toronto which a lot of people they hear that and they're like how are you a mariners fan it's like you know you can be born in one place and end up living somewhere else eventually. But uh, yeah, you know, I was a Mariners fan since birth, basically. I mean, uh, I even know what was going on with Mariners the day I was born. Chris Bosio threw a shutout against the Raiders. That's so yeah. Um, yeah, man, I, I just, I, this is my one true love really. Like when it comes to sports, I mean, I love the Seahawks. I love the Sonics, Miss Sonics uh, have started to love the Kraken um you know i love sports in general but baseball is my thing right it's the the one sport that i really really got into started playing when i when i was growing up uh didn't play beyond you know little league or anything like that but i just i love the sport i love talking about it mm-hmm. um even you know when i was little i would love like you know my parents would tell me about how like when i was little little i would just chat people's ears off about baseball <laughs> so uh yeah i just I, I love it and um you know with locked on uh my co-host and i um my co-host colby patnode and i we um we started writing together over at fan uh, at uh, soto mojo which is the fan-sided website for the mariners mm-hmm. uh about five six years ago and we just kind of vibes uh, we started doing a podcast over there uh things ended up not working out over there so we started a um an independent thing called control the zone uh started doing our podcast over on patreon which we still do and then eventually locked on came calling said you know we we think you're the guys that we want running you know our, our mariner show and uh we've been doing that for the last few years and it's been amazing man um you know a, a lot of it we gotta give credit to to the mariners just playing great ball <laughs> uh because it really started to kick off um when they won the when they had the 14 game win streak last summer mm-hmm. uh, that really kicked off the popularity with the show and then obviously you know with what they just did the, the last month and a half has really kicked things into high gear for us so we're having a lot of fun man just talking about the m's uh chatting with the community uh-huh. uh, it's great it's a great time it's awesome 
You know, I, I realize in listening to your um, kind of your experience that I haven't shared a ton of my own on on the Mariners cast. I've talked tons mm-hmm. of numbers, tons about the team, but not nearly as much about, I guess, my own personal baseball experience. Um, but I bring it up because there's so many intersections, I guess, so many similarities. I, I like you, you know, Mariners fan, grew up a huge Sonics fan, Seahawks fan. Mm-hmm. I'm a little older, so for me, it's like Kurt Warner. Daryl Turner, you know, uh, obviously Cortez Kennedy, Kenny East. Absolutely. And then the Sonics, it was, you know, obviously the heyday of Peyton and Kemp. But but even yeah. before that, Tom Chambers, X, Dale Ellis. And I'm a Michigan grad. And so Michigan football is religion, you know, in many ways. Yeah. And yet baseball specifically and the Mariners are my one true love. I've said that from day one, that my one true love is baseball. The numerical um how how numbers heavy baseball is how mm-hmm. predictable it is because you have 162 games right that it's a new frontier mathematically in a lot of ways for a lot of folks it's just i don't know to me it's the beautiful game i love soccer too but i call baseball the beautiful game um, yeah. yeah like real quick on that like yeah. from a numbers standpoint it just makes sense to me right mm-hmm. baseball just makes sense to me i was never even like a math guy right but i love the numbers i love getting really nerdy with it i love doing all the research i love going on savant and fan graphs and mm-hmm. reading things it's just consuming baseball content is my life yep that's really what it is and so yeah man i just i love it i love it i'll, I'll never stop loving it my phrase to the people in my life is that i never get bored because there's always baseball to consume, right? With, yeah. When it's in the off season, you're building your, you know, your databases and you're digging really deep into numbers during the season. You're just trying to keep up, you know, you're mm-hmm. listening to, I walk to work. So I'm listening to baseball while I'm walking to work or I'm listening to podcasts. You get home, you watch condensed games. You're just, it's, it is, it, and it, and it keeps you from ever feeling like a you're alone and B that you don't have something that you can look forward to. I think all the time. Um, it's dope. I love it. I love it. So I think we all have a a similar take on what's going on with the team right now. Obviously, um, they look tired. Obviously, uh, you know, we went through this huge Julio stretch where he was probably the hottest stretch I've ever seen. Maybe that and Griffey hitting, I think it was eight home runs in a row or eight games with a home run in a row. I think it was when he tied, uh, Kevin Long, but it's we're at this point now where they're on the road right we know they've got the the looming four games in tampa after this um digging a little deeper what is it that you see in this team are you concerned uh what do you think they need to do to get back on track i think they were bound for regression Mm -hmm. you know um and the thing with like your whole team being hot at once is that they could all suddenly hit a brick wall at once and i think we're kind of seeing that a little bit because it's really i mean yeah the offense has been bad for the most part i mean they've had a couple games they had the the seven nothing blowout of the a's last week they had the eight to seven game in new york other than that the offense has been pretty mediocre Mm -hmm. but the starting pitching has been a problem too like outside of logan gilbert's start on friday like it's been it's been rough the last three games brian Wu obviously had a terrible start yesterday Right. At least to start the game, thankfully he was able to go five and you know keep a little bit of the workload off of the bullpen. Um, but Luis Castillo wasn't good 
on right. Saturday. The the Mariners won in spite of Luis Castillo on Saturday. Right. And Kirby only goes three. I know he's, you know, he had pitched in like 10 days. He's been dealing with an illness, like all that, whatever. But still, you need better. You need better out of Luis Castillo. You need better out of George Kirby. Right. Um, what do you, I, if, if I could ask you, I say a lot, or what I see often is, these guys come with with consistent velocity, right? You look for the big yeah. velocity dips, look for injury. Haven't seen that. Mm. Um, the the whiff rate or the swing and miss can fluctuate specifically with George Kirby based on pitch mix. Yeah. He's looking to to create more weak contact, but the big thing for me, and it seems like I'm stating the obvious, but it's what I see every single game when when the starters aren't performing is they're missing location, and I don't know if that is if that is uh, fatigue or if you just can't expect them to be have pinpoint control every single game but that is that what you're seeing as well that you know specifically Castillo and Kirby were really missing their locations in in the last couple of starts well and with Kirby command is everything right because he doesn't have elite stuff he has good stuff but he doesn't have elite stuff and so if he can't pinpoint his pitches it's going to be a rough time for him Mm mm-hmm so that's kind of the issue there. You know, Castillo, it's always about, is he going to have a slider? Mm-hmm. Or is he going to have the changeup? Which he's not really throwing much this year. But, like, is he going to have the slider? Because he's, look, the, the, the fastball, the sinker, it's all great. But he needs a breaking pitch. He needs something that breaks away from righties. He needs something that's off speed to keep hitters off balance. And sometimes he has it and he looks amazing. He looks like a Cy Young winner. And then sometimes he doesn't. And sometimes he's able to get through it anyway, despite that, right. like Chicago. But it all depends on the opponent and it all depends on the situation. Um, yeah, I just, again, you know, just kind of to tie this all back around. I just think it's just they're hitting a bump in a road. I don't think it's anything long term to be concerned about. I think it's just something that's bound to happen. And I think it's something where you have a very specific skill set like Castillo does, like Kirby does, where, yeah, if one thing is off, it can completely de- uh, derail the whole situation. Mm-hmm. But does that mean that I don't want to go to war with those guys because of that? No, no. It's just, you know, it's the give and take of who they are as pitchers. And look, every pitcher. Every pitcher is going to have issues like this. Every single pitcher in the entire world is going to have issues like this. It just it happens. You're going to have a bad start here and there. Mm-hmm. I have in my notes in the Castillo start that I think part of this particular start was that he was facing, despite their record, a veteran New York Mets team, right? And there yeah. were a lot of professional hitters on that team. And yep. you can't miss spots against against those guys, even if they're not performing you know, at the place where they expected to this season. You're still facing Nimmo, who I don't like, but is still a professional hitter, right? Nimmo, Lindor, McNeil, Alonzo, Vogelbach, Stewart. Like yeah, that. the Mets issue has never been talent or a right. lack thereof, right. right? Even after all the trades that they made. It's just a dis- dysfunctional clubhouse, and the pitching has been terrible. But like the offense is really good, and the offense can do a lot of damage to you, even with you know Marte out, with... Uh, canna being traded with escobar being traded all those guys mm-hmm. you just listed nemo and alonzo and lindor like all those guys can really really hit and we talked about this before the series like yeah this is not your 
typical whatever they were 60 and 73 team or whatever they were and entering the se- uh the series you know so i think it's just you know you, you ran into a, a talent a bad but talented team and you didn't play your best ball you got got so moving forward you know this the this series with cincinnati you know obviously we saw the game yesterday and brian Wu kind of fall flat at least in the beginning of the game that that defensive play though was sick that, oh yeah it was great that was an amazing play but he you know it you wonder a what's his innings cap what do the mariners see as his innings cap and b what do you do with that fifth spot once you know with hancock down what are the mariners going to do are they going to try to kind of nurse Wu? all the way to the end of the season, knowing they don't need a fifth star in the playoffs. Is it going to be, you know, Tyler Dollard? Is it going to be Luke Weaver? Is it going to be, I, I assume it's Weaver. And I s- assume that's part of why they picked him up. Um, do you have a different perspective on, on what they do with that fifth spot? And also what did you see out of Wu in this last start? Cause one thing I found interesting was that he e- used equally the cutter, the sinker and the four seamer. He threw mm-hmm. all three of those pitches 26 times. And that's something that we haven't seen him lead with the cutter in that way yet this season. I found that really interesting as well. Yeah, the cutter was uh, was a weapon for him against, what, the A's? Mm-hmm. That was his last start, yeah, against the A's. Uh, so I think that was just kind of building upon that. Um, yeah, yesterday, uh, and, and just to answer the one question that you have, no, I don't really have a different perspective on this. It's just, you need Wu. You need Wu because all the injuries that you have. I mean, you mentioned Taylor Dollar, but he he's out for the season too. So like, he's down. Hancock's down. Your next option after Weaver is Adam Mahler. Yeah, is Logan Allen, he's Tommy got- Malone. Like, it's not it's not a good crop of of pitchers to to choose from here. So, as for you know what I saw yesterday, I mean the velocity on all of his pitches was significantly down. Um, and it's a hot day in Cincinnati. Usually, when Velo is down, that's not physical. That's not a physical issue. It's because the it's a colder day. Mm-hmm. Don't have a great feel on the ball. That wasn't the case yesterday. You can't make that excuse yesterday. So, the hope here is that he's not hitting a brick wall. That it's just kind of a you know he just didn't have it type of thing. That's probably me just coping here but you kind of have to cope here if you're the Mariners because again you don't have any other options and you need Brian Wu to make three to four more starts before the end of the year because you only have two more off days you know you mentioned how tired this team looks I mean they still have what eight more games that they have to play nine more games they have to play before their next off day like they it's not like they can just rearrange their rotation and have guys starting on shorter rest um so yeah brian like that woo spot whether it's woo making that start or weaver or whoever that woo spot is going to come up in the dodgers series it's going to come up in the rays series it's going to come up in i think one of the rangers series maybe the astros series like it's 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 not a great spot (laughs) 114 innings thus far yeah. And I would assume I, I think in 22 through what 56, 57 innings or so. And so he's doubled what he yeah. did last season and coming off injury, as we know, before that. I 
It's a, it's a, a, the Hancock injury, I think at the time didn't look as significant, even after they reported the injury, but it is, it is having it, in my opinion, having a huge impact on um, this stretch run for the team, not having him ready to go uh, in this spot. Uh, it might it might be something like combining Weaver and Thornton and Saucedo and hoping to get six out of those three guys. It's got to be something like that, I, I'm going to assume. Yeah, you might have to, you know, have a bullpen day or two coming right. up here, especially, you know, if if you don't think that you're going to be able to get anything of quality out of Wu in those Rangers, you know, in the Rangers series or the Astro series, again, whenever that, whenever his start comes up, yeah, you might have to bullpen day. Like that might be your your best option because what you're gonna go into a highly important game with Luke Weaver on the bump. Like, I like Luke Weaver. Don't get me wrong. I, I do actually like Luke Weaver. I think there might be something there, but not right now. Like that's gonna take some time. Right. So I, I did like they that first outing against the White Sox. He had five strikeouts in two innings. And he led with the cutter and they got rid of his curve and slider completely. And yeah. so cut him down to four pitches. I got excited. I was super pumped. I'm like, they put him in the lab. They got him going. Let's do this. Mm -hmm. with a Good arm. And the mix has changed since then. Obviously he's given up some runs since then. He is a, yeah. a veteran. I don't always subscribe to that experience, you know, being a, a huge positive yeah. Down the stretch, if he can give them two or three innings of even like one run ball, I think that's a that's a plus. Do you yeah. are you concerned about the bullpen at all? I think they're an arm short. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't think they did enough after they traded Seawald. Um, you know, because can Leon be that guy? Maybe you know. Again, Mariners pitching lab, right? At this point, you know, Colby and I always talk about this on our show that like whenever they add a reliever you have to pay attention now doesn't matter if you've never even heard of the guy doesn't matter if he's never pitched higher than double a like you need to pay attention because you just you don't know right justin topa gabe spire like we joked around during the off season with jerry depoto when we had jerry on the show we were like yeah we don't know who justin topa is but hey you know you guys have built this reputation for yourself that he's probably going to be a top 10 pitcher and in, in, uh, top 10 reliever in all of baseball and we weren't that far off, honestly. Yeah. Like we really, we really weren't. So yeah, you you never know. Um, you know, I think the key with Leon is getting him to throw that slider more. And I think we saw that a little bit in in New York. Um, and uh, you know, because he has elite whiff rates, he has elite chase rates. It's just been whenever someone has put the bat on the ball against him, they're hitting the absolute hell out of it. So. Limiting hard contact is going to be the key for him. Do I want him pitching in high leverage spots? No, no. But like, can he be another middle guy? Sure. That's totally fine as well. But again, I still don't think that they did enough after uh, trading Seawald. I think they needed to to uh, take on a very similar approach to what they did a couple of years ago after they traded Kendall Graveman was turn around trade for Diego Castillo. And look, there wasn't necessarily a Diego Castillo that got traded at the deadline but there needed to be something more there than just here's trent thornton and here's edward bizardo and bizardo pitched like twice in garbage time did not look good now he's back in triple a thornton he more or less looks like the guy he was in toronto like it, it you know even with the mayor's pitching lab it's not they're not gonna bat a thousand right so yeah i just i don't know 
I think Thornton and, and Leon can be effective against righties because of the respective breaking balls. You know, obviously they're targeting high spin. Somebody or pitchers with at least one high spin pitch that they think they can manipulate or help. Right at Thornton, it's the it's the sweeper. Leon, it's the it's the slider. Bizarro had a you know had some decent spin rates, but it's. Do you think they were? I think they might have been counting a little bit more on Prelander Baroa to be yeah. to be a an elite arm, but pitch him in lesser lever or lower leverage situations. And he's proven to. I don't really know what the issue is. I trust them. I expected him to be in the majors, but if they're not bringing him up by now, there's something they see that they don't like. Right? He came yeah. up for what two days. Yeah, right back down. Um, I agree. I think if I was hoping that Leon could be at least a seventh inning guy, maybe even an eighth inning guy at times with the right matchups, but it, it's clear that they're they're pushing Munoz to a point where I'm checking velocity and spin every every outing to see if there's something going on with him because yeah, living so far on the edge, and obviously with Brash, they kept him out for what a good almost a week. And there's something yeah. there's something there too that they're not really talking about. Do you have um, any more insight as to what's going on with the two of those guys? Is it just is it confidence? Is it fatigue? Uh, what are you seeing? Yeah, with Munoz, it's just it's clearly he doesn't trust his slider right now. Mm-hmm. You know, and I mean he's thrown a couple of pretty nice backdoor sliders, but overall that pitch has been wildly inconsistent his last few times out, and. He's not locating his fastball as well. He needs to be at the top of the zone with the fastball. That's where it really plays up. But, you know, he's he's caught a lot of plate with that pitch a few times here. And he's and they've made him pay for it, too. Like, he's not getting away with it either. That's the that's the issue here is that he's going through it and he's still but he's he's not able to get away with it. Um, you like his. Yeah, it was that he's introduced. Yeah, yeah, I like the two seamer. I always like a good two seamer. I'm a I'm a big <laughs> sinker guy. I love a I love a good sinker. Um, yeah, I think that's something that can definitely help him, especially against lefties. Um, but he needs that slider. He needs that slider. That's like he is going to live and die by that slider. He cannot be the Andres Munoz that we know and love without that slider. So that's going to be the key for him. Um, I have no idea how he won AL reliever of the month. I mean, congratulations to him. Absolutely. But no clue what they were watching. I, saw it, I, I mean, thought it was a joke. I thought some some Mariners fan was on Twitter that and did something as a sarcastic, like Yeah. Munoz has been terrible, so we're gonna post this and see how many reactions we can get. And you know, you look at the numbers from from my perspective, I I watching him, I'm like, he's we don't know what we're getting from him. It's like Mariners closers of old. And yet you look at the numbers from the month and they were still really, really good. So I don't yeah. know, maybe we, we, our expectations are so high with him that we're surprised every time he gets hit. But yeah, I was, I was shocked to see that. What about yeah. Brash? Uh, Brash. I mean, I don't know like what's going on where on there with all the rest that they gave him. No clue. Um, Brash to me though, is like, you know what you're going to get for the most part, like it's either, you know, he's going to flat out dominate or it's going to be a hell of a ride. It's going to be the Fernando Rodney experience 2.0, right? That's, you know, there's only two versions of Matt Brash, really. There's no in between. I mean, who was it against the A's? Yeah, it was against the A's. 
uh on on wednesday like that was kind of the in-between where you know he had a wild pitch i think he gave up like a single or maybe walked the guy then guy advanced the second advanced the third something like that but he was able to get out of it with a couple of nasty sliders like he he put tony kemp in hell uh but yeah i think that's just you know that's just who he is like i i i trust him but i don't if that makes sense i don't know what i mean I, I, when, if he, when he's in high leverage situations, I, I'm confident, but it's, there's some irrational, irrationality in that confidence because yeah. it's, his, there's really, he's what, probably top five stuff as far as oh, yeah. in baseball, right? And, yeah. yet, you know, he, half the times he doesn't know where the hell it's going. Um, yeah. I still love him. I, I could see if he has any semblance of command coming into next year i could see him being the closer i in my opinion munoz is is best served in that high leverage highest leverage kind of eighth inning potentially seventh inning role mm -hmm. um seems to be where he's comfortable yeah i don't dig too much into the psychology of closers but it doesn't munoz does not appear comfortable in that role at least uh from my perspective yeah brash it's just i i don't know if he like necessarily has that either i think brash is more like he's the fireman right like as as they call him they he's he's the guy that you bring in like the the most ideal spot for me when it comes to matt brash is when there's a runner on first and third you need a strikeout sure and you're totally fine if that runs like you think that runs scoring any either way right so let's just shoot for the moon here because brash can do that right. he can get two strikeouts in a right. key spot like that's that's really like like if you're talking about postseason and how this bullpen is going to be deployed that's where i ultimately like would like to see brash rather than like obviously like if he starts an inning whatever but like that's really like what where his tool set really shines right where he becomes an absolute weapon is when he's used in those situations so playoffs that's kind mm. of uh the the elephant in the room is is are they going to win the division how far are they going to go in the playoffs um just you know in these last 10 minutes or so how are you how to how are you feeling in your gut how are you feeling analytically about this team and their chances in the playoffs i have no clue <laughs> <laughs> i have no clue what's going to happen uh yeah i know that's a terrible answer but i really like i just i don't know man i'm i'm scared honestly <laughs> like a little bit like i just and not not because of anything that's going on with the team it's just my irrational fandom right like that's just what it is at the end of the day um those last 10 games are going to be the most anxiety inducing ex like it's going to be the most anxiety inducing experience of my sports watching life like it's going to be terrible like the playoffs start for the mariners on September 22nd or September 23rd, whenever the first series starts there against the Rangers. Yeah. Yeah. Texas, Houston, Texas is going to be wild. Absolutely off the wall. Um, I think this team is going to make the playoffs, right? Like even with their struggles right now, I, the wheels aren't necessarily falling off. Like if you want a team where, you know, the wheels are falling off seemingly that's Texas. Like Texas is in like, they're in trouble right now. Like I could like, they have four games coming up against Toronto. They might get swept. Mm -hmm. And then at that point they might be out of the playoff picture. 
um i think they're probably going to going to get swept by houston like their pitching is bad right. it is really really bad when they're rushing Eovaldi back right they're and their bullpen is just like gasoline you're pouring gasoline lighting a match every time that bullpen has yeah to. well yeah it's not even the rotation the rotation is fine yeah. relatively it's relatively fine but the bullpen it is terrible it is straight up terrible i don't know what it's at now but like when they were in minnesota after they um after uh was it chapman no it was hernandez mm -hmm. uh walked in the the walk-off run mm -hmm. it was like they they had only converted 24 of 49 save opportunities or something like that that's insane that's insane like that like you need a bull like pitching wins in the playoffs and if you don't have a good bullpen you're cooked you're done yeah, well, so you're closing right and that that in and of itself was a bad a bad sign for them that they can't find a right-handed you know we all know the advantages of the right-handed closer versus left-handed closer but you've got an older left-handed closer and and you knew the bullpen was bad because that's not anyone's first choice yeah, uh, and, and chapman too chapman's had had a lot of struggles as well they've they've talked about uh or bochi said that like they're not going to use him in multi-inning situations anymore because they feel like they're pushing it a bit much with him like that's and like looking at what Cole Raggins is doing right now in, in uh, Kansas City, I mean, that's a ter that's a terrible trade for the Royal or for the Rangers rather. That's a terrible look for the Rangers. Yeah, so I I just I, I kind of wonder if we get to the Texas Houston stretch and the Rangers are more so fighting to stay relevant in the playoff picture rather than for the division. They might be and that honestly and that. And that changes the dynamic of those series a lot. Um, I think the Mariners are going to be right there. I just, you know, it's hard for me to to disregard the the Astros because it's the Astros, right? It's Astros magic. Even though that they're nowhere near as talented as they were a year ago, they're still the Astros. And so that's still the team to beat. Um, I, I still feel good about it, though, especially because you have the tiebreaker. You have the tiebreaker on Houston. They have to be a full game better than you. You in order for them have, to win the division. You also have the best, I think, top four starters, right? Oh, absolutely. And, and 100%. You have, you have a very high-performing bullpen. You've got a very good a very good defense. You know, I think a very, very good defense. I think yeah. Crawford's defense is not what it once was, at least uh, numerically or metric-wise. But you've got a very good defense. You've got pitching. That always wins. And for me... It's, you know, you've got it. Julio's got to be prime Julio, right? Julio's got to be elite. Yep. And then who else is going to step up? I think Tail will be there. He's proven over this last couple of months that, you know, that he is a big bat. I, I hope to God they resign him uh, going into next year personally. And then you need Cal or Gino or, or Ty France or someone like that to get hot. To me, that's the formula. Um yeah. But you go through the American League contenders, you've got, you know, the Orioles pitching is questionable and they're young. The mm -hmm. Rays yep. have so many injuries, and I can't believe the Wander Franco Juju isn't going to have some sort of impact on that team. The Twins, yep. I don't think, are as talented. Uh, the Jays, you've got to ask, is their pitching going to perform in the playoffs? They've got a bunch of veterans, and I think they performed above their head. The Rays they also heard their offense has been wildly inconsistent. Yeah. Totally. And then, but it's the Astros are the arch rival. We know they're smart. We know they they don't make mistakes, right? They're they've yeah. been through the wars. 
that's the team. It would not surprise me at all if those are if one of those two teams is the team that makes the World Series. Knock on yep. wood, the World Series be so nuts. Yeah, I, I think it's kind of how last year, you know, I think the ALDS, the Mariners and the Astros last year, that was the real ALCS. Like whoever won that series was going to the World Series. I don't know if the Mariners beat the Phillies in the World Series, but I, I think they they get there. I think they beat the Yankees absolutely in the in the CS. Um, I agree. So I think that's going to be pretty similar this year too, right? I think the Mariners are the most talented roster, like across the board in terms of like what wins in the postseason. The Mariners have the most ideal roster out of all of these teams. But again, it's it's like you said, you you're still you're going to need to have some offense, right? We saw in the ALDS game three, you went 18 innings and didn't score a single run, right? And you you can't win these games zero to negative one. You can't. You got to score some runs. So. <laughs> obviously Julio's got to be be a big part of that but who's going to be that second guy who's going to be that third guy who's going to be that fourth guy you know I feel pretty good about JP being that second guy but after that is Teo going going to show up because his you know season has been really up and down up and down up and down he's hot right now but who knows right is Cal going to be that guy is Gino going to be that guy is Ty going to be that guy I mean Ty France right now is oof and well, I know he's a bit banged up, but that play, yeah. the one four six three ground out was yeah, one of the most yeah. embarrassing. So I, I give the Mariners credit for becoming so much more athletic than they were under uh Jack Sorensic, right? They made yeah. that concerted effort to bring in mm-hmm. athleticism. But when you see Gino Cal can run a little bit, what you see Gino, Cal, yeah. Tom France, Mike Ford, it's kind of it's uh startling. Dude. See how Cal, Cal Raleigh looks like Usain Bolt compared to Ty France. <laughs> right. Like France was bad. France was. I, bad. you um, know, I usually don't ascribe to the to the people on Twitter that are like, yeah, I could you know run for a yard against Aaron Donald or whatever. Like I could do this and this and this. I think there's people on Mariners Twitter that could actually outrun Ty France for first I, base. I might be able to at my age. No, yeah, I'm- yeah, yeah. All right, man. I I don't have much else for you. I really enjoyed this and appreciate you coming on um i appreciate you for having me on thank you this team is has our heart obviously both of us and um this is going to be a really it's anxiety driving it's uh a lot of fun it's gives us all something to really look forward to um again i appreciate you coming on do you want to go ahead and uh plug the patreon and plug the podcast real quick yeah so thank you again so much for having me on mm-hmm. uh for those that are listening uh you can check out uh, my podcast that i do every single day monday through friday it's called the locked on mariners podcast you can find it on youtube or wherever you get your podcasts uh, sometimes we also do some post game shows on the weekend uh so it's mariners content almost 24 7 truly um we also have a patreon called control the zone you can go to patreon.com forward slash control the zone that's where we more talk about big picture stuff with the Mariners. Locked on Mariners is more day to day. Control the zone is more big picture. Uh, so if that sounds interesting to you, we also just kind of chat about whatever we want on there uh, as well. So uh, give that a give that a look if you're interested. And uh, you can find me on Twitter at Dane Gonzalez. That's D A N E G N Z L Z. Thanks again, brother. This was a blast. Thank you so much. I really so appreciate much. it. Thank you all for listening to the Mariners Cast. 
Once again, we're presented by Sports Ethos. You can find me on Twitter at TinoJr20. That's T-I-N-O-J-R-2-0. And the podcast at Ethos Mariners. E-T-H-O-S-M-A-R-I-N-E-R-S. Take care, y'all. Once again, man. Go Mariners. Appreciate it, brother. All right. Peace.